Welcome to Mitten Music, where we discover and explore all things that make the local Michigan music scene happen. All right, we're back. Mitten Music. It's we been are a little back. while. Jeff, Ryan? we're back. Yeah, we're yeah, back. Ryan. It's uh, good to be back. Yeah. Good to be back in the studio. Excited for our next guest on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you want to introduce? We have Josh. Josh or Joshua? Josh is fine. Yeah. Josh is good. Yep. With local legends recording. Legend singular. It's local <laughs> legend. Maybe, maybe I should have introduced. You know. Maybe you should have. You, <laughs> you know, know what? I feel like that's start over worthy since we're only 60 seconds in. No, 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 no. Don't no? Worry, don't worry about it. No, it's just funny because everyone says legends, and I'm like, I just regret the name every day. I'm like, oh, I wanted something Googleable that was like easy to find, and then it's like local legends. Like, oh, it's whatever. It's fine. Josh, how do you describe what you do in like one sentence? To anyone that was in, you know, I mean, it's going to be basic. I make records, you know. That's that's what I do. You you own, yes, a recording studio, correct, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yes, I do. Yes, and you record bands and I'm yep. sure maybe even other things besides bands. Is there like it is poetry? Not, maybe poets come in and record audio? I, I would love that, but no, it's ninety ninety five percent bands. Sometimes like. You get a voiceover, some sort of business to business type of stuff where it's, um, I've dealt with at my old studio, we did more uh, work with different marketing companies or whatever that have like a voiceover for a commercial. So I'll do that as well. But I got into it to record bands. So that's what I primarily do. So is a question ever come up like there's a recording studio in Grand Rapids? Like people <laughs> not even realize that there's local recording studios? Yeah, I mean, I think for the layman, probably, yeah. you know, just because it seems they, the only knowledge they have of recording studios are on, like, whatever that show was that, uh, what was that NBC show recently that had, was like... Oh, uh, recently? Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, but it, it was about, like, a recording studio. And so hmm. they, they know that. It's like L.A. and, you know, or Nashville. I was going to say L.A. Or, yeah, L.A. or, yeah. like, some big budget TV show that right. has, you know... Something going on in LA at a record exec is. Yeah, it's always record this because there's the word hell in it. Oh my god! Yeah, it's always the corniest. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> dumb. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, when I tell people that I own a recording studio, it's a lot of blank faces. Like, okay, you make a living doing that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I do actually. How long have you been making a living doing that? Um, well, uh, I've been doing it full time now, about seven years, but I started about 15 years ago. Um, and then I took, you know, some circuitous routes around the music industry to make a living going on tour. And I was, a, uh, worked at a management company and label for a little bit. And, um, yeah, was a personal assistant to a musician and just did a bunch of random, random things to like, can you even say which musician? It's Brian Setzer. It's on my website. Oh, so. okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, Actually, Jeff did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So I went on a bunch of tours with him and I met him in uh, Minneapolis and, um, so started as kind of a personal assistant thing and then went into like tour management. And, uh, from there, the same company that, um, managed Brian, Dave Kaplan was uh, basically told me, "Hey, if you ever want a job 
at my company, just let me know. I'll, I'll make one for you. You know, is that that's not Town Square Media, is it? No, it was Surf Dog, um, was the record label, and then it was Dave Kaplan Management. Because um, I, the name Kaplan sounds familiar from people talking about it on GRD. I feel like oh, they, no, they yeah. relate it to the yeah. guy that owns like Town Square Media. I mean, I'm I could be totally yeah. No, this that is, just sounded really. This familiar. is all San Diego, so gotcha. this is okay, yeah, fair not local at all. But cool. uh, yeah, so I did that for a while, and and. You know, I started in, in Minneapolis where I went to school and then I interned at this really awesome recording studio called Pachyderm, um, which they're most famous for In Utero was done there. Oh, okay. um, very cool. Yeah. So Steve Albini took Nirvana up uh, to to his like kind of stomping grounds. You know, he's from Chicago, but, you know, close enough. And uh, so, yeah, that's the most famous thing that's ever come out of there. But they did a lot of hard rock um, stuff in the nineties and two thousands. And so I worked there, started off as an intern and then just kind of worked my way up to engineer. Um, but it, it was such a, it's a kind of a pity because my skills weren't even up to the, the, the standard of the studio I, I was in. I mean, this is like a Neve eighty sixty eight board, like the best board in the world, in my opinion. And I, I did not use it to its function at all. You know, like I'm just learning, just learning at school and just like, you know, going back to my little pro tools rig at my house and, and stuff like that. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, so I've, I've kind of had a, uh, an odd journey in, in music, but cool. led me back to here and yeah, met up with, uh, with Peter Fox, which uh, I know that, uh, the, the guys from in the Valley below mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a studio called Stonehouse, and we partnered up for about five years and I brought in a bunch of gear. We made some records and did a renovation together. And then he moved out to Portland. So ever since then, I, I, I started uh, looking for buildings and pivoted to mastering for a little bit. And then, uh, as, as the, uh, the building was being, uh, renovated and then, yeah, been open for about a year now. So, yeah. Wow. So is Peter doing the same thing out in You know, he Portland? he started to pivot to live sound um, and is an excellent live sound engineer. So he goes on tour with bands all the time. Um, and he, I think he does a little bit of like tour managing too, um, yeah. which tends to be the case with when you have kind of mid-grade bands, they need someone to, to kind of tour manage and also do sound. Yeah, you, know, you can little... fill in multiple gaps. Yes. Your price yeah. point isn't terribly high where there's like yeah. ah we can barely just afford right. them to help us out with one yeah. record but i mean you're in a sprinter van you're not in a bus yeah you know, fair, that, fair, that, yep, that fair, kind of thing so but um but no he's been doing that and, and killing it um for for years and so he has family out in, in portland so he you know just be closer to family and and uh because he was always on the road anyway so sure so yeah we uh yeah shut that place down it was kind of a legendary place around here it um it had been around for 10 years, so it was, you know, had a healthy run. So. Is there a reason why you, you didn't just stick in the same spot and just kind of take it over, or you just wanted to start your own deal? And Well, I wanted to start my own deal, but the building was odd. It was it was called Stonehouse because it was an old, like, 1840s stone building, stone building that had it was part of it, the historical society, so you can't do any major major work yeah, right to it you know so all the windows the it's like no nope, single sorry. pane windows you know yeah. and we're uh-huh. by, right by the highway so we're just huh, oh, yeah. the whole time it's just freezing freaking cold in the winter yeah it totally and like so we did some renovations on the inside to help that but it, and then you know we it would be i'd plug in a coffee maker and 
when the carafe would like cycle, you'd hear like an audible buzz in the recordings. <laughs> oh no! So you're like trying to trick. I was wondering where you're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the it's just a bizarre like so weird electrical right. all that kind of stuff. And and now that I've gone through the renovation process, where you just have clean electrical like that's such a blessing because <laughs> you're just like i i know that it's gonna work and if there's buzzes of course there's ground loops that always come up and stuff like that but you can isolate them because i the way i designed it is you have different circuits you know every other oh outlet right genius that's just awesome. make it so that all right well if that one doesn't work i'll plug it into there and yeah. you know so, so get a different uh yeah end result hopefully just clean audio mm-hmm. you know just so you're not worried about like Oh man, every time I'm plugging in, I'm just like going through a gauntlet of, is this going to work? You know? And so, and the building was expensive too. It was like, we paid, I mean, this place was probably 1,500 square feet. And we, like, we paid more there than I currently pay now with 6,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Holy smokes. So, I mean, and, you know, I bought the building. So it's a different, you know, different thing. Right. But even with all the renovations and stuff like that, it's like, it's a comparable price, even a little less. So, it, you know, it just didn't make sense to stay there. Yeah, and you're kind of doing your own thing. Like, you're the boss. You're the sole owner. Like, yeah. you want to be where you would like to be. And if, well, yeah, it was, you know, this was a stepping stone to, like, the next, yeah, your it, next it, thing that you right. want to do that's yours. And it was nice to be able to design a space and have it as you wanted and not sort of compromise. And this mm. was, like, it's an old house, the stone house. So it's yeah. like... You're converting rooms that are not really meant for recording, you know. For sure. So you're trying to retrofit everything to make it work, but it's, you know, it's only so good. But it had a cool vibe. It was really, the cool thing about it is uh, when Peter and I did a renovation on it, there was, I mean, it's, again, it's a stone house. So we, they had, it was covered in plaster and a ton of drywall, but we ripped off all the plaster and drywall and we had like, our control room was just like, stone everywhere you could you know look and so it was like kind of a natural diffuser which was awesome Mm -hmm. and then also just looked awesome so yeah yeah it had a had a cool vibe character bunch of records were made there so yeah yeah cool yeah what was your your favorite sorry jeff what was your favorite record you made there if you had to pick one um well i would say the ones that i was kind of directly involved was cameron blake's uh fear not record um it was just a ton of work so and it turned out so beautiful and we did we did strings at hope college and and we did um we did piano at a random church it was just kind of like we were trying to like make this really grand record and it turned out amazing and it was such a labor of love and cameron's such a sweet guy where i'm actually working on his his current uh new record coming cool. up uh which is amazing as well but um yeah i think that it's called fear not and it's uh yeah it's a great record cool yeah, yeah i like cameron a lot good have yeah you listen to his stuff ryan what's that have you listened to his stuff i have not yeah it's, he's it's, an amazing writer i mean it, he's like our local um uh nick cave you know like, oh yeah he's Ooh, okay now he, you got me interested he's got like this uh soaring baritone voice mm-hmm. uh poetic lyrics really interesting music um, chord progressions are interesting. He he went to Peabody, I think, um, for I think for violin um, okay. and, and maybe um, composing. I, I don't I don't know, but uh, wow. so he's got like a composing background too, and he, so he writes these string arrangement arrangements that are amazing and like 
all of his stuff is just super interesting and uh cool. it's yeah it's a really unique type of thing so yeah awesome that's neat yeah so talking about artists that you so been around just a year with local legend yep um so i just looking at some of the artists that have come through locally you've yep. got box fedora is that is that this year or is some of that stuff that you've had that, you highlight is that just over the years over that's the over year? the years um just kind of stuff i've done okay. um, vox fedora i actually managed for a oh, couple okay. years too when i came back from california i was looking for things to do and i had a management background so um it was a facebook post they were looking for a manager they wanted someone to like help them out just kind of get organized really just sure. someone to handle like booking their gigs getting them paid a little bit more, you know, getting them uh, kind of a professional face on them. Someone and, smarter than they are at doing what they well, need. Well, just someone that kind of knows yeah. the language of yeah. it too. It's just, it's a different thing. So um, that was great because I was able to meet a ton of people in the, the local industry and then venues and they're connected musician wise and in, in town. So I met a bunch of people through that. And then, you know, they, obviously saw that I was at a recording studio as well. So their last record, um, uh, which, I, yeah, it's just eponymous, I think. So, uh, But I mixed that record. Um, Tommy Schichtel, who is an amazing um, engineer, and you should have him on the podcast because he's mm-hmm. a great guy, an interesting guy. And he has a studio called uh, Goon Lagoon. Oh, yeah. Goon Lagoon. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing name. But um, he's got, like, this all-analog place, just real, real tape, not a computer in sight and and he has amazing gear and a great ear and he has like a very specific style that worked with Voxfedora so well so he tracked all that stuff and I mixed it um but yeah Voxfedora um and then yeah there's you probably saw the stuff that was on the website there's it's kind of a rolling list of things that I've done so yeah yeah cool but you've done not just local you've got some other artists that are not in the area, right? As well. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Stonehouse, it became kind of regional. So people come from Detroit or uh, Indianapolis or Chicago or um, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of regional. We had a you know it was a house, so we had rooms for people to stay. So they would you know come and Ooh. stay at the yeah yeah. Interest? Did you charge more for that though? No. <laughs> Whoa! Free yeah. Ruben board. We, were, we weren't great uh, businessmen. Um, you just wanted to we have were fun just, and we were good work dudes. With people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was like that was the that was the trick to get people to be like, hey, yeah, I'll I'll travel because I have a place to stay, and I'm I'm gonna try to do that with uh, the upstairs of my building uh, next year. That's kind of the next phase. It's to have cool. like some sort of artist quarters so that, that I can reach out and try to get more people from not just locally, but um, yeah. Right now, it's primarily local. I would say just because. All of my local connections are the people that are word of mouth, um, getting me business. So, yeah. yeah. So what's uh who's in the queue right now? Who you've been working with? Well, I have a bunch of stuff coming out. Um, a lot of records that I've been um, working on for uh, a good long time. I just uh, the Chain of Lakes record came out. Um, Kyle Rashi's stuff, which was an amazing project, and that was really fun. We were kind of collaborative on that, and I had a some hired guns guys that I, I like to have as session musicians play on a, a bunch of the stuff. And so that was a great record. And, uh, he's another good podcast interview, by the way. Ooh. Um, uh, and yeah, catch is the name of that album. And it turned out amazing. Um, Bree Stoner is coming up. Um, she was just on the cover of review. So 
see like her story. That's yeah, that's a full album. And then Pink Sky um, just mixed their last two albums. Um, one is coming out pretty soon, I think August. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but there's been like three singles come out. Um, and then Cameron's new record, um, Caitlin Rose mm, yeah. from um, Kalamazoo. That's coming out in August as well. Um, so yeah, it was. There was a, a period of time in the last six months where it was just like nonstop recording, you know, and like trying to get as much as I possibly could get done, you know, without going crazy and working till you know <laughs> twelve every night or yeah. whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, so then a lot of that is kind of like coming out in the next few months. So it seems like that's the release schedule around here is put something out in the summer. So yeah, 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 makes sense. Yeah, and it's a little post COVID, like I'm sure lots of people are yeah. it up. Like if if a band that that's been a band before COVID wanted to put something out and they didn't have the means to do it, they couldn't really go yeah. use you as a utility to get what they need done or yeah. get feedback or whatever. So now that it's kind of all or not all over, but slowly getting back to yeah. the way it used to be. I'm sure people are like, oh, yeah, we got all this content that we kind of created over COVID. Yeah. We need to get it recorded. And there was kind of we a, need... a dam that broke. I, <laughs> I could only imagine. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's been it's been busy. and, and But, yeah, it just it keeps uh, keeps moving on and, yeah, doing doing some new new projects, too, that are that are fun. So, so speaking of COVID and the pandemic stuff, yeah. during that time, were you able to keep afloat? Like, what, what were you doing? That, like, I can't imagine a lot of bands were coming in to record. No, I mean, it, it probably hit other studios worse than me because I was in the building phase at that point. So, uh, so okay, timeline-wise, yeah. it yeah. kind of saved you a little bit. Yeah, it was, I mean, it that was... Makes sense. It, I mean, it wasn't beneficial because it definitely slowed me down. You yeah, know, right. all the contractors were, you know, at, at a certain point, nobody was working. So yeah, and you're like... It, they just pushed everything back like six months, basically. Right. And I was a smaller project, so I think, you know, when they came back, they had to go back to their money makers, you know, mm -hmm. and not these sort of small projects but um so it didn't hit me that bad it, it delayed me but i was doing mastering full-time just for my house which it is basically you can do remotely it's like you don't yeah. have to be yeah. with the band in a certain nope. specific location yeah with certain specific equipment it was all online too yeah. so all my clients just came from a website that and marketing that i created and cool so it was yeah it was fun it was a good way of learning how to do mastering too because i had not done it like professionally right yeah you I, learned how to do it yeah i mean i think every audio engineer says i can do a master for you, you. gotta break you gotta I, break into it at some point i know what a limiter is you yeah. know and just like slap it on the end of the, the chain and, and call yeah. it good you know so there's a lot of that but then you you learn different techniques and different like oh i can i can really get this thing pumping if i know what i'm doing and take it seriously mm -hmm. so that was nice because I got a ton of business. I just kind of, I marketed myself as like a, like fast and really inexpensive for people. So, um, it's a good and, way to break into it. Yeah, sure. exactly. And that gave me a bunch of business. And then I was able to raise my rates kind of gently as, as things went on. So I did that maybe a year and a half, two years, something like that. Um, while the, the building was being built and it wasn't demanding, um, work. It's like, once you learn how to master, it's really just about your ears and, and listening and you can do a master and, a matter of minutes really um you, you just kind of know what to do after you've done a hundred of them you know yeah, i can only imagine yeah so um yeah that kind of kept me afloat while i was um doing the the renovation of the building so cool yeah so you you help you record a bunch of people you got all this stuff going on if you had to 
what what kind of music if I want to get to what's your favorite kind of music? Sure. What's yeah, your yeah. favorite bands and that kind of stuff? And yeah. how it translates to how you do your job because let's say you are you're a metal head and you're just like I love heavy metal and that that's my thing, but all the clients you get for yeah. work are like you know, Michael Bublé, <laughs> like this yeah, kind of stuff. You're like, it's yeah. just, and that might work for some people. Yeah. I, I'm just curious on how, well, what if, happens with you. What if, you if you look at the studio, it's kind of clear where my head is at, you know, like it's gotcha. a lot of organic instruments, a lot of acoustic instruments. So it always, le- it always ends up in that sort of territory as far as music uh, mm-hmm. that I record, because it's the stuff that I listen to too. It's not, you know, and I've, I'm getting better at this where there was a time where you just say yes to everything. Like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll do metal. Like I don't listen to metal. Yeah. So like, I am not, you're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a good candidate of, of trying to make this like what you want because I don't know the genre, you know, but I will try. I'll, and I'll, I'll think I'll do a good job, but like, try your best. Yeah. But I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm, I'm saying, no to people sometimes just because you're just going to get a better result from good somebody for else. Good for you, man. It's That's hard to do too. Really hard. I can only, as an entrepreneur, I, it's really can, hard. Yes. Um, but I know that I'll just take, I'll take way too much time trying to get it right. Listening to like different references and just like the brain energy is just so much. And it's just not a genre that I would, you know, work in normally. And it's also, there's a, there's other studios in town that kind of, focus on that specifically so like more power to them go to them because they're going to do it better for you faster you know and so yeah i I would say yeah in that sort of acoustic world you know and that has a big variance of what that could mean but Mm -hmm. you know if you like to record um you know uh an, an acoustic guitar drums bass piano that's that's kind of what i do yeah that's your sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you're listening to it, that's more what you listen to. You're going to yeah. pick up things and learn from that. Yeah. Whereas if it's not your yeah. wheelhouse, it's going to be harder for, like you said, you're going to have to yeah. do a lot more time. And Yeah. And you're, you're, you're trying to like sort of trick yourself into um, doing a production style you're not comfortable with. So like, I love the Billie Eilish record because it's the, the production is amazing. I would, I would never do it and could never do it. Like it's, you know, I could definitely try, but like Phineas is a master and yep. he blows my mind with what he's doing. And it's very interesting. And I'm like, I'm envious of, of that. You can appreciate it so much. Yeah. And you're like, that is just not my style, but it's just not my style, yeah. you know? So it's not the music I listen to. So Good yeah. For you. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to carve out a niche where that's kind of like pe- what people seek, seek out. And I don't think that's a very narrow thing either. I think that's, it, encompasses a lot of different styles of music so it's not like i'm only doing like folk music that's not it it's it's um yeah just like if you can if you appreciate the chaos and the the sort of the weirdness of music and and little things like it's kind of a one-room recording in in uh in the studio i mean there's iso booths and um all that kind of stuff too so you can you can isolate but i like that old school style of recording you know cool um, so yeah, that's pretty much what you're going to get. Do you do a lot of analog recording as opposed to digital or? I have a lot of analog gear. Um, but you might but I use. Pro- unless the, the client, the yeah. band re- is looking for. If the, the client analog. wants to record the tape, I can do it. Yeah. Um, but that's not your go. It's not no. Your, okay. It, 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 I would, I would, that's what I would have guessed. That to me is cumbersome. And 
I like the sound of tape. I do not like the efficacy and like the workflow of tape, you know, because I like to work fast and I know with people's budgets these days, like, you know, faster is cheaper usually. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, we can spend more time being creative with things if we can have unlimited hard drive space, you know, and we're using pro tools as a tape recorder basically. Mm -hmm. And I like to get the sound coming in that I'm going to hear on the record you know, by the end of the day, basically, I want to have it sound like a record to some extent, you know, and, and then tweak from there. But I don't like to do a whole lot of pro toolsing either at the end. So it's all about like, I have tons of compressors, EQs and stuff that get my sound feeling like a record on the way in. So there's a lot of analog gear, but yeah, the the tape thing is more of a, uh, an an effect for me, you know? Yeah, that makes sense for sure. So I've heard that like the, from an artist standpoint, West Michigan's got a pretty solid music community yeah. as far as artists and working with each other. For sure, yeah. Uh, is it similar in the recording? I mean, you kind of already alluded to like, hey, I'd refer you to Goon Lagoon. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, There's totally. some other places. So you guys kind of have a little bit of a community there where you kind of refer I'm, to? Or I'm least... trying to create one, you know? Okay. like, um, Oh, can we help? <laughs> please, please, <laughs> that by, by all means. Like, I liked, uh, in Minneapolis, it was like, uh, it was very collaborative, you know, so you'd, you'd have uh, different studios and you'd work out of them and you'd have producers that could kind of go to a different studio and you could work out of that place, produce records and, you know, pay them a, a, a fee and then, and then leave. Um, where that wasn't, it, when, when you have like a smaller uh, city, it just doesn't have that kind of infrastructure for it, you know? Yeah. So when I was building this place, I really wanted it to be, um, available for other producers and other engineers to use it um, for all the instruments and all the gear that I have and then be able to take it home and mix on a laptop or do whatever you want to do. But yeah, have that sort of collaborative uh, environment. And, and there's, I mean, yeah, I have a ton of friends in town that have studios that are, you know, great, amazing engineers. And so we, we definitely help each other out, you know, borrowing snare drums or whatever like that. But, um, but yeah, it, I wanted to open that up to outside of people to just own studios to like, Hey, the local producer who doesn't want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on gear or like a building to have a place to come and record, you know? So that's why it's as big as it is. That's why I have like uh, an API console and, and things that are kind of like higher end so that it's something special for people that would be like, yeah, well I can't really afford to do that or I don't want to do that. So now I can come here and uh, book out the day and I don't have to even be there. I have a couple of producers that just, they have keys to the building and they, they come in and they produce records and that's great. So Sweet. yeah, that was, that was the goal. And when I moved to back to Grand Rapids, like at the time it was, uh, I was looking for that space, you know, and I, it was amazing to find Peter because he was such an uh, open and um, collaborative dude that just allowed me to kind of come into his space. But that's what I was looking for. So when I was building a space, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's studios are personal too. You know, you have like a personal touch to everything you're doing, yeah. obviously, because it's, you know, you want to have your sound, but I also wanted to open it up to other people. So smart. Very cool. Yeah. That way I'm not working every weekend and, right. you know, working seven days a week like I used to, you know, so. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've kind of talked about people you have worked with 
who is an artist or a band that if we could call it a bucket list, who would you love before you're done with your career? Who would you absolutely love to work with? Wow, I mean, Wilco is my favorite band. So, Ooh, so, nice. So that that would be amazing because they're also the thing is about Wilco is there'd be no reason for them to do that because they're also amazing engineers and like they that's have what I re- a studio. That's what I remember. Yeah, um, but that's like my yeah, that's my my favorite thing as far as music. Like because they, they know production so well, their their records are so beautifully recorded. So. Yeah, like that's was it early night? When, when was their first album? Was it early nineties? Yeah, 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 early nineties. Because ninety one, ninety two. I'm trying to. Yeah, it was um, the the difference uh, or the band. The first band that I think it was Uncle Tupelo, and then that broke up into two different yeah, bands. Yeah, and then, that's, yes, yes, yeah. So I mean, they've been cool. around for almost maybe even late eighties or whatever. Yeah, that's what um, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've been around for. I mean, they, and they did that kind of like alt country thing for a yeah. while, but they they really branched off to like be an experimental band with you know with songwriting as the core, which is mm-hmm. pretty much my mo. That's what I like. You know, that's cool. that kind of stuff. Like you keep the song center, and you add a bunch of interesting textures and and things around it to to make it interesting to listen to on headphones or in you know, in the car, or whatever. So. Yeah, they're they're my they're my favorite, so that'd that's, be my bucket list right there. That's cool. Yeah, I was not expecting that at all. Really, that's great. <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't hear many people talk about Wilco anymore. Yeah, you know what? Like but, they had a popularity um, that was more mainstream to start, um, and then when they went going into some more experimental territories, I think it's kind of like Radiohead, you know, like yeah, where right. they, they lose, they lose something, but yeah. they, they potentially gain something else. Yes. And they have hardcore totally fans. Exa- and yeah. that's what yeah. kind of probably keeps it going. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I, to- and, I know. Yeah. I mean that they played Tony Monroe, like, I think this is probably the last concert I actually saw outside of local, um, uh, chain of lakes was the last record or, uh, show I saw. But, um, before then it was Wilco at, at Tony Monroe and like, I mean, the band is so amazingly tight, and 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 uh, they're great. You know, they're just a fun, fun band to to follow. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, but they definitely had uh, that thing where they had a little a little pop thing going on. You know, like a little bit of uh, success there, and then went into a different. A different world, and yeah, I, I like I like the new stuff. So that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Jeff, what do you think about Wilco? What's your you favorite know, song? I'm gonna actually have to listen. I I know of them, and I've I've heard a few of their songs, but I'm not. I've never really dove into them. I mean, but you mentioned like a Radiohead, and they're probably not similar, but I yeah. love a Radiohead. Like, yeah, they're one of my top ten bands for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, basically, every record with Wilco is is something different. You know, they they do. Uh, they have a theme to it and it's not like a corny theme. It's just like, okay, it's a sonic texture that they're going for, like something more acoustic or something more drum machine heavy or something like that. And I think we'll, uh, uh, Radiohead does the same thing where it's like it, they're just, they're making records and they're trying to do experimental things and it's all surrounding a song. Um, I said Wilco is probably more in that folk tradition, mm-hmm. you know, where they have more of, the acoustic guitars and stuff like that. Whereas Radiohead has the drum machines and the swirling pads and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but right. 
I was trying to throw Jeff for a loop. I was like, ah, oh, he's not going to know anything. He's going to stumble <laughs> over his words. But I just pulled it out. Come on. That's right. Yeah. Good job, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Good job. He's a pro. So, Josh, you did you say you grew up in the area? Yeah, I grew up in Ada. Um, okay. And then, you know, moved around uh, after college and, you know, as, as you do. And then came back. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I was gone for 10 years and then and came back uh, about eight years ago now. Okay. Yeah. So, when cool. you were younger... I mean, was was this ever even on your radar? I mean, was music a music central was. theme? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I played piano since I was five, and you know, was in the jazz band in, in high school, yeah. and and that really that actually was a big um, informative thing for me was just learning about theory and yeah, I was going to say music and music reading and notes. Yeah, and, and you're understanding it. You're also listening to some wild men play music you know and it's just like the the improv and and all that like the different ways that you write a jazz song is so complex in in comparison to your four chord banger Mm. you know that it kind of just gave me an appreciation for other types of music and just like man like I, i still go back to some some records that i listened to in high school that were jazz records um there's a there's one that I always go back to. It's it's um, there was a a big band. Bob Kernow um, had had a big band, L.A. his L.A. big band, and they did um, a whole album of Pat Metheny um, covers. And there's the song called Minuano Six Eight that is my favorite song of all time. I mean, it's just the most epic. Uh, eight minute whatever um, song that goes in so many different places. It's so emotional, and you know, it's you're a 16 year old kid listening to this kind of stuff, and it just blew my mind. You know, and so I always wanted to do something in music. I just didn't know what that would be and how to facilitate that. It's a hard thing to make a living doing, and right. what am I gonna? I'm not gonna be a pop star. So like, I like writing music, but like, you know, I'm not that good looking. So you know, like, I, you know, you're not gonna put me on Tiger Beat or whatever. But, uh, but you know, it was. But I wanted to do something with it, and so you know, I'm writing music and I'm I'm making my own records with with buddies of mine, and and then you see the other side of the glass, and you're like, oh, oh, that's interesting. You're kind of, that's its that's its whole an instrument all to its own, you know, and. Mm-hmm. manipulating sounds, microphone choices, all that kind of stuff. I just fell in love with it. So, Man, I, to- I totally, I had a good question right along <laughs> I, that. And I, I kind of lost it. So, no, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was when you said Tiger Beat, I just, I was losing it. That's, I mean, that's even before that's my time. That's, I know, it's, a, it's a reference that I should not even be making. I but. love it. I, that was hilarious. That was, it was perfect. It was too funny. Because I feel like that was just edging out before my time even. Oh yeah. yeah. But it just it's like you have that old you have that old soulness in you. Like I feel yeah. like if if you were really into I'm just kind of going off right here right yeah. now. Please. If you were more of a like a metal guy or a hard rock yeah. guy, yeah. I like you would not have used that reference at all. Probably not, no. You you would have a you would you would have a loss for reference on what you were trying to <laughs> convey right there. So it's just very interesting. I don't know. I, I just ah I can't yeah. even put the words together on how I'm feeling about that. It's just, yeah. it makes me so happy. I Good. just love it. Well, I'm an odd dude, so you know. <laughs> I'm an odd dude too, but I think in different ways than you are, because I am the more dark metal brooding, this kind of stuff. 
and I've come to learn to love a lot of in the valley below, like yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, just pop electronic indie stuff. Is, yeah, yeah, totally. Is, for me, something newer in the last ten years. Yeah, and I love it to death. But I was always stuck in this. Oh, it's there's one slow song on this album of twelve songs that are all metal songs. There's one slow song that song sucks. Yeah, yeah, I'm right, gonna right. skip it every time. Yeah, yeah, just because it's slow. I was I grew up as that kind of guy. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I grew up listening to like punk music, so that you know, it was the same thing. It was just like if it, if it's not like 160 BPM, like I don't want to listen to it. It's got to be blast beats all the time and just you know screaming and right. all that kind of stuff. So okay. and yeah, no, I I definitely had my. I mean, Michigan for a while, Grand Rapids had a, a metal scene when I was in college that was um, really healthy. Like, um, and so there was a lot of metal bands that were around that I was when I was playing my college bands that I was listening to. Um, uh, Still remains. Do you remember that band? Absolutely, do. Yes, yeah. yeah. I do so remember Still remains. Buddies with I've those. I've seen guys. them in concert plenty of times. Yeah, amazing. And um, so yeah, we played shows with them all the time, but. Um, yeah, so I, I have that that history as well of of of, uh, of that kind of style. Well, now of music. I have to ask, what was the band name that you played with? Uh, I was in a band called B Nicholas Bay. B Nicholas Bay. Okay. Yeah, very very stupid name, but uh, would, but it's stupid enough where I would definitely <laughs> yeah. would have remembered it if yeah. I would have heard it. I just I don't recall. We that. were just like pop punk, you know. It was just you know. Nineteen year olds, just huh? uh, really angsty, Dude, really that's the way to go, really getting in your feelings about yeah. about music, you know. <laughs> What instrument did you play then? In that, um, I, I wrote. I was the. I wrote the songs and and I played keyboards. Eventually, I, I started off on on bass in that. Um, okay. Before we got another uh, bass player, and then I switched to keyboards and singing. So. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Good I mean, for you. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's funny because like I I met some studio guys that I you know s- still don't know that well, but um, guys that recorded my album back in the day, the the Odie Brothers. And they're still around doing doing stuff. And uh, yeah, I had a conversation with I think it was Joel, um, like two years ago. I was like, "Hey, do you remember like twenty years ago you recorded my band in your house?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." It's it's funny. It's That's there's cool. not a whole lot of people doing this kind of thing. So yeah, no, this is yeah. a I, I, that was actually my next question. It's like, is there much competition for you in Grand Rapids, West Michigan, for recording music? There's a bunch of studios. Yeah. Is there really? Yeah, yeah. There. Um, I would have thought there was three. No, no, no. There's. there's a, I'm just. I just would have guessed. I would say I there's no three to four that are kind of like full time endeavors, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a bunch of other ones that are kind of like they they maybe either have day jobs or or do it part time or something like that. But there's yeah, there's others other studios in town, and so yeah, I mean it, it's like. There's competition in that way, but it's also like when you sort of carve out some sort of niche for yourself and you start getting a reputation for things, it's just like doesn't matter. It doesn't really what anybody matter. else is doing. Yeah, it's just if anything, it might help you. Like oh, like he, uh, Josh does this. Yeah, he, he does your style. What you're looking for, he does that really well. You should go right. talk to him. I I recommend my buddy Matt Tenclay all the time because I'm like you're doing like swampy like garage rock. That's the dude. Yeah, go to his it. place because yep. he's in a band that's he's like probably that. going to record analog. Yeah, well, he doesn't. I, I, doesn't. But but he has like he just has that genre like on lock. Yeah, he just yeah. does it better and like he's part of the scene. And yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, so just that right there. Yeah, and, and like I'm happy to do it too, and I I would love to to try it. But sometimes it's just like you know I think Matt would probably be a better fit for you. That's cool. You know, 
so I, yeah, I mean, I, I try to do that when, especially when I'm busy, it's just like, you know, why am I trying to take on everything that comes in my door? <laughs> like, I, you know, I have to because yeah, I have because to part keep of the lights f- on. But yeah, exactly. That's part of it. Yeah. But I think at the end that, that ends up helping you out because you're, you're upfront, honest with them. Yeah. And that could circle back to yeah. you later on. Because if you send one guy you're, this yeah. down the road, yeah. you, that guy might send one back. and Exactly. And that's what it should be, really. Right. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. That, that, it's like there's enough people making music in West Michigan. It's actually surprising for how small of a city it is that we have a pretty healthy music scene here. And so, yeah, like there's enough to go around, you know. And I want to eventually get to the point where I'm, you know, more regional and bringing in people that are outside from Chicago and is if you go into the studio, it's, you know, it's more reminiscent of what you would find in Nashville and LA just because of the gear and, and it's intentional. It's a bigger space and, and you have kind of all the accoutrement or whatever that you would see in a, a studio of, of, you know, the quality you would find in those other cities. So, um, eventually it, it's not going to be about like who's fighting for the local bands. It's just about like, make make good music get a good reputation and bring in people and and everyone can be happy and make money and you know make music so that's that's my mo yeah i mean that's like a, a good good point to say you know we talked about earlier yeah everybody probably just thinks there's studios in la and nashville yeah, and, right. and new york or whatever but do you think it's a lot i don't know want to say easier but a lot um the accessibility now yeah. is out there to just right. do it wherever you. I mean, not for sure everywhere. You can't go into Hell, Michigan, and probably make music. But, <laughs> but I mean, a smaller, yeah, smaller big city. Yeah, the barrier to entry has been really lowered. You know, it's it's uh, because you can make an amazing record on a laptop with GarageBand or Logic or whatever, and mm-hmm. spend you know a hundred bucks on a microphone, get an SM57, and you can make a great record. So you totally can do that. Now. I think there's still value to the studio world because it opens your mind to different things. You have other opportunities of higher end gear, rooms that are tuned for making music, you know, vintage drums and amps and guitars. And, uh, you know, I have a tack piano. Like you're not going to find that in your local or your, in your house, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, it's like, Hey, use the studio for that. And then if you want me to mix the album, great, I will do that. If not, and you want to go tinker at home and do a bunch of overdubs at home, great. Because you can do that and you can find high quality microphones for really inexpensive these days, have interfaces that just work and sound good and don't have noise. And like, yeah, so like it can be this kind of use the studio for what it's worth and then and then go home and, and labor over your guitar solo for six hours so you're not spending money for it you know like that's that makes sense to me it's the difference between the in my opinion like the band that's coming to you that just wants to record and bring all their stuff back like they're the ones that's like oh you're gonna you want to do all that like you're not the one to say you can or can't do that right because they can do whatever they want Mm -hmm. but i have to imagine that you're if you see a band or an artist do that you're like i wonder what they're doing like when, when do they know or yeah, are they? Of course, ju- you probably know by this point if they're newer in their career or later in yeah. their career. Yeah, and you can tell what they're going to do. But I mean, like giving people the power, like to do, like this day and age, yeah. it's just the fact that you explained it the way you did make it makes me feel really good. Because you know, a lot of people would be like, 
I don't know, I need to keep all the business myself. I need to make sure they do all the stuff with me. I need to get more people coming in to do the stuff yeah. with me. I don't want anybody taking yeah, right. away. You know, there's there's people that are going to look at it from the business side and not sure. the creative artistic side. It just never ends up working in the long run. I could only imagine. Like, <laughs> I can I can imagine people like you are in business a lot longer than people like yeah, and it would be the other way around. I would hope so, and it, and it takes patience, and it, it definitely – you know, you have to sort of sacrifice a little bit of time to get to that point where you're you're in demand sure. to where, Absolutely. okay, now I, I recently just, you know, I'm raising my rates now because I'm busy to the point where, you know, like I was pay, paying my bills, you know, and stuff like that. But I, you know, I want to kind of up the ante a little bit. So now, okay, I'm a little bit busier. I'm getting a decent reputation, hopefully. And so I'll raise my rates a little bit. And it's, you know, it hasn't batted an eye thus far. So that's kind of what you do. Like I, I always heard... um there was a couple studio owners that uh, in Minneapolis that they say you get to 80% booked and then you raise your rates so you're down to 50 and then you get back to 80 and then Ooh. you raise your rates until you're back down to 50. That's and a the, good way to yeah, look at it. Figure out like, okay, like that's going to mean that you're doing good work, that people like it and value it and you're getting a reputation that people, mm-hmm. they want to come to the studio and and then you get to a point where you're kind of even out and then, you know, there's, there's only a certain amount of day rate that you can get to, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. And you know, I, I like to reinvest into the studio as much as I possibly can with new gear and, yeah. and, and new things for the, for the sound of the studio. So it's all about reinvesting, taking your time, being patient with running a business, not freaking out about every little dollar and trying to like squeeze people dry because then, then you just get a bad reputation about this guy that just wants to make a bunch of money or whatever. And it's like, it, it will come in time if you do good work, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So are, you were talking about uh, critiquing others' gear. I, those weren't the words you said. We were talking about something related to that. And, and you were going to mention this before we hit record earlier today. So what do you think about my microphones and my little setup here? You know or what? Like, a little studio here. A little podcast little, studio. A little Behringer things going on here. Like, it's not some just u- normal USB stuff. Yeah, that's right. You know what? You would, you would think you'd see that microphone across the room, the blue mic. It's unplugged. The, it's, unplugged. it's unplugged. That's for work. That's just work yeah. doing Skype team teams calls or whatever. Well, that's the thing. That's, again, going back to like the barrier to entry thing. That's awesome that you guys can... You have a podcast studio the audio sounds good yeah and you you don't have to spend a ton of money you don't have to have the re20s like mm-hmm. they're great they're 400 bucks these yep. are probably 80 yep right on the nose yeah so it's like and yeah what is that audacity or what, what? Uh, Aud- adobe audition adobe audition there you go so i mean it's just so easy to do this stuff and it's so much nicer just now you guys can just create a podcast and not have to worry about mm. it sounding like a tin can. Yep. But, you know, it's... It helps that I have... That I, I, I want to make it as good as possible. And I like technology. So yeah. kind of hand-in-hand kind of... It's like, oh, I'm going to... I'm not going to buy the... You know, once I learned about things, I, I know the low-end stuff from yeah. the high-end stuff. And I'm right. like, oh, the, the middle the middle is kind of like what I need right here. Yep. The yep. value. Yeah. You mm. start, start learning and just tweak away and yeah. listen to yourself and then get better and it, yeah it's it's great i mean i i you know when i was coming up making records like you had to have a certain amount of gear to even get started because mm-hmm. there just wasn't like there weren't usb mics there weren't interfaces that were less than 
a thousand dollars. You know, like you had to spend. Man, I think I, I I can't remember. My first interface was was a a Digi O2, which was like a, the Pro Tools um, hardware. And back then, you couldn't run Pro Tools unless you had the hardware that um, they also sold. Mm-hmm. Very smart, yeah. But you know, manipulative too. <laughs> but um, but you had to, and I think it was like seven hundred dollars or something like that. I think I got it used for Pro Tools. Wasn't the Apple branded one no theirs was that's uh, logic logic okay yeah sorry i was for a second i was yeah yeah no logic came along and and it's actually logic is more popular in in europe than i think pro tools is uh these Mm. days wow Uh, these studios in uh united states are still more pro tools heavy but um but anyway um but yeah, yeah. So the barrier to entry was just so much higher at that point where you're just like you're saving up your pennies for this microphone that like really mm-hmm. <laughs> it shouldn't be this complicated right? so for yeah, sure now there's like a bunch of gear makers that are making like really high quality stuff and they're figuring out ways to do it for cheap and mm-hmm. and getting people into it so like you get companies like warm audio where they're they make clones of of the classic stuff and it's it doesn't sound the same but it sounds it's an approximation of what you would do and which is I what learned people how are probably trying to get at. That yeah. That's what they, they don't need the highest caliber thing, but they need the just good enough. This is yeah. my taste. Well, and it's and to, value. to learn how to use the, the gear too. Like yeah. I, I learned, I had a bunch of warm audio gear when I was just starting out, even at Stonehouse. I, you know, you, you're learning what a compressor does, uh, an analog one, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, you learn that school, but until you're doing it practically for your own records, it's like, yeah, you want to get your hands on a knob and figure out like how to mani- manipulate this thing to make it sound good, and then okay, now I can afford to get the real deal, so I will. But that's amazing that you can that that is no longer like some sort of impediment to starting. You know, you can you can make a real recording studio with decent mics, decent interfaces, decent preamps in your house and make a really good sounding record. You mm-hmm. know, so like I, that's great. Power to the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's still value to the, the studio world too, because it's like you get, you walk into the studio, it's a special thing. You know, it's not the same as being in your house. Cause the people at home are, they're only going to get so far before yeah. they want to move on to the next level. And if they like they it, they have yeah. to go to someone like you. And that's, yeah, that's the hope is if they want to go to the next level. Yeah. Right? And if they like it to the point where they want to do that, then they will. And yeah, so for me, it's just like it's a no-brainer. Like, get people more like get people interested in the medium in general, and then they'll want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that also like kind of weeds out clients that you maybe don't even want. Right. You know, like it's like people that take it seriously. You're not interested in recording an album for the the Smith family Christmas party, like that's right. or a song. You're, that's not what you're looking for. You're no. looking for a band that wants to put together and that has an album put together. They want to get it out to their fans or yeah. whoever will listen in the best possible way and match exactly how they want yeah. it to sound. No, they the, need someone like you. If the Smith family has money, you come, you come see me. It's but Fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the best answer I could have heard all but, day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, you just sort of, you raise the level of your clientele at some point because mm-hmm. they know what recording is. They know they, they've, they know what an interface is. They know what like a DAW is. And so they come in more prepared to take on what the recording is because recording is a, a special skill. And as an artist, like it's not the same as playing live, like at all. It's a totally different skill and it takes mm-hmm. time. It takes 
you know, creativity in the studio. It takes all these different things that you don't expect. So for me, it's like I want to offer something that's reasonably priced so that, you know, I can make a living, but you can also come in here and spend multiple days like trying to flesh out your ideas, you know, because back in the day when budgets were big, like bands would book out, you know, a month to rehearse at a studio, you know, where they're just like, right. Show up when they want, do whatever they want, just whatever time come in, they're writing in the studio. They're they're doing all that. And, and they, they get used to it. They have the headphones on. It's, it's not so foreign where, you pop on the headphones and you hear your voice and you're like, Oh, that's me. Like that seems very unnatural. Cause it is, mm-hmm. it's, you're hearing yourself amplified through a headphones system. That's like, it's not a natural way of performing because yeah. you've never done it before. For so sure. it takes, yeah, it takes some, some time. And so I always, I like to build in those kind of like extra days for getting used to what the studio thing is like. And then also just for creativity at the end, just like, let's try, attack piano on this song or let's try a, you know some string part or an organ or just like have those built in days where you're not just like alright we gotta get to it you know time's a wasting you know okay I have to stop you right there what the heck does attack piano mean because oh, I hear I, that and I'm like that's I've the said it craziest coolest thing attack uh, it's not attack it's oh. a tack oh. piano um, <laughs> attack piano sounds actually more metal that, yeah I, I was like what that's, is this kind of piano? That's like how a, do I learn to play it? A mastodon, you know, of having an attack piano, <laughs> right? Um, no, attack a piano is like attack piano. Attack piano, so it's literally tacks on the end of the felts of the piano. Oh, so back okay. in the day, like you know that Beach Boys sound, yeah, yeah. Where that's that chimey kind of uh-huh. piano thing. In, okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, I have a, I have one because I, you just buy, basically, I just bought a piano and went to Home Depot <laughs> and got tacks and then put them under the felts and that sounds cool and it's a a different sound and it's yeah it's like it's an interesting not every day you're not going to find a patch some sort of virtual instrument that's going to you know have that kind of sound it's and that's like the the weirdness and the chaos stuff that i like about making records is like what is that sound you know like on cameron blake's new record like he was holding on to the um the piano with like a tape strip and then picking at the strings uh, while he's playing the keys. And it has this really metallic-y, cool, cool sound. Interesting. And you'd be like, what is that? What kind of instrument Did he is bring that? it to the table? or do He you did, like, yeah. Yeah, he, he had that's seen gotta someone else That's got to be cool when it. an artist is oh, like, I, I want to do this weird thing. I have no idea what it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And it now might I'm, sound cool. Now I'm doing it on every record. Yeah. I'm gonna say. <laughs> and I was going to say, you probably pick up these like, oh, yeah. the things great. that sound good. And, uh, that's the garbage. Like, like, man, that's Don't cool. take a lemon and squirt it in your eye while you're singing a high pitch whatever <laughs> note like that doesn't work yeah. but put tape on your piano and like yeah smack it with a hammer use, it sounds use freaking a, a nickel to to make it like sound cool and interesting so yeah it's all, and that's what i love about recording it's just like there's so many of those you know um uh what's that um uh, sound and color the um what, i can't remember the band right now i'm, I'm Some, blank, blanking but anyway Brittany. um something anyway uh one of the producers that i really like you know there's there's a couple songs where it's like hey you're gonna sing with cotton balls in your mouth and um (laughs) it's gonna give you this really odd sounding vocal and it does there's another song on that record that she sings into an old um ns10 speaker um which is wired reversely and so i was gonna say she's 
singing into the speaker. Okay, yeah. interesting. Well, it's just, a, it's just a diaphragm. So it's basically you just, if you reverse it, instead of pushing out, you, oh. you accept it in. It's basically any speaker is a microphone. Yeah, I, just I, physically I can see it happening, yeah. but I've never done it. So I'm like, how does that work? And I do that all the time now. So I have like four to five different speakers that I use as microphones. And they will give you different yeah. sounds per. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's all that experimentation I mean, is so much sense. fun. Yeah. yeah. It's just that's the fun of doing it. It's like, let's do something interesting. And, um, you can have, uh, the drum track is, is one mic that's underneath the throne of the drummer. Like it could be that it could be a weird sound. You can press it all to hell and it, and it sounds interesting. And it's like, but that's, that's the fun of it for me. It's like, you know, I don't want to do the paint by numbers, you know, like, all right, get impulse, put trigger, so I trigger some other st- like I just why what, what am I doing? <laughs> so when I was in junior, that's not creating. <laughs> when I was in junior high, I was really trying to make uh, using a pop can as a pick on a bass guitar head. There you and, go. Like yeah, because I'm sure I saw it on a music like some yeah, yeah. jokey music video on yeah, MTV yeah. or whatever. I was like, yeah, we gotta start using pop cans, guys. <laughs> oh, I definitely <laughs> use a penny as a pick. Several, there you go. Several times. Quart- I remember yeah. using quarters or yeah. coins as picks or different yeah. things as picks to like oh what's what will this do. Yeah, I mean, well, it's an aggressive sound. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but it's so niche-like, you don't even know you want that sound till twenty years after you actually yeah. try it for the first time when you're doing something that requires it. Yeah, that's crazy. So, Josh, what's you kind of alluded to some of the stuff, but how is the what is the process that you take an artist through, or is it probably varies a little bit? But what's yeah. kind of the the formula, or what's the kind of walkthrough of what you how the recording I mean, process goes? The the main thing is first thing it's let's listen to the songs. And let's let's figure out, you know. And if you have an artist that has a bunch of songs, it's, it's the first step is maybe narrowing down the songs you want to record. So you you listen to them, you try to find like a cohesive thing about what is the record, what are we trying to accomplish? Does it have a flow? Do all these songs kind of match? Is there like a a melody thing that's going on in multiple songs that we don't want to, you know, have that song? It's kind of too much like the other one, that kind of thing. So that's this is like pre-production we call it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, about like, all right, let's pick the songs. And then you get to the point where you say, all right, well, how do we want to approach this? Do you have a band? Are, or am I going to be hiring the band and doing it sort of uh, session musician style? Do we want to do live? Do we want, do you want to play everything together to have a cohesive like band type of sound? Or do you want to start sort of layering stuff, start with drums and add bass and, you know, whatever. So it's like, it's all about, what does the artist have at their disposal? Do they have a band? Do they have other people that want to play with them? And and then, you yeah, you kind of start carving out like a plan of, all right, this is going to be the day. We're going to do, we're going to do drums and bass the first day with, with scratch guitar and vocals. And then we're going to kind of start layering on top of that. And I have this guy that I can hire to play on it, you know, depending on budget, all that kind of stuff. Or if bands come in, it's like, hey, do you guys want to play all together? Or not. You don't have to. You could play. You could start with drums and and do it piecemeal like that. It's know? like writing a book. Like a band signs up or an artist signs up to work with you. Yeah. And it's like kind of writing a book. Like they have these ideas in their yeah. head already, and they're. But you're helping them, Form figure it. out how to get it onto paper. Yeah. You're you're organizing it, and you're sort wow. of giving a vision to it, and yeah. and. and you're seeing it from 10,000 feet above. They're so in it mm-hmm. that sometimes it's hard for them yep. to really uh, see the forest for the trees. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like they, 
they've written the song and they've played it a thousand times and, and they know they want to get it down, but they, you know, don't know how to sort of navigate that. So that's mm-hmm. part of the process. And, you know, there's different like you know, labels of like producer versus engineer mm-hmm. or whatever like that. But it's kind of when you own a recording studio, you're kind of all those yeah. things. And, and you sort of just gauge with each artist like, okay, they don't need that. They don't need the producer side. Like they have it kind of on lock. I'm just going to be a good engineer and bring my ideas to the table. Um, I always like to do that because I think that's what the value of a good engineer and good producer is, is to, to give opinions and, and, and thoughts about where to take the song. But, um, but yeah, you just kind of have to work out with, with each artist. Like, what do you want from this process? What do you think you have settled? And then you work it, work on it together. How, How much, how much pushback or you know how much how much back and forth is there sometimes with the band and yourself and they're like no that's not or they have yeah. the, you know there's arguments i mean i'm not saying you get into it but it's like no yeah it's it's all i mean there's it's constant you know like and it, there's there's tons of that but everyone as long as we're all trying to like make a good record i yeah. think we're all going to be on the same page you know it's like and I will have my ideas about how to get to that point. And if the if the band has very specific ideas, like ultimately it's on me to, to serve the artist, you know? Sure. So what, if they have an idea about, I really like this specific microphone or I really like this specific sound, can we try for that? Then we try for that, you know? And I'll give my opinions, you know, but ultimately it's their music, it's their song and, and you serve the artist. So that's, you know, it. But it's always collaborative, and that's part of the fun of it, too. So, tail ending that, what's your favorite microphone to use? Your favorite one. My favorite of all time. Because I'm sure you have lots of different kinds. Oh, yes, I have lots of different kinds. Um, On Cameron Blake's record, Fear Not, uh, we rented a Neumann M49, and it is the most beautiful mic I've ever heard. It is... uh, (laughs) It's actually what Nick Cave uses, so we were going specific about trying to get that sound. Where do you have to rent it from? Blackbird in Nashville. Wow. They they Dang. rent they rent uh how much did that cost? The rental was maybe five hundred bucks. It wasn't that expensive. For how for how three days, I think. So it's not bad. Five hundred bucks for three days? No. Holy crap. Well, if you can only get it in Nashville, you know. I mean th- this is Dang. this microphone to buy it's vintage. They don't make it anymore. Um, I think it's fifteen grand, probably. Holy crap! Yeah, fifteen thousand dollars, something like that. You know, to get a good, one in good fi- shape. Yeah, you can and, find someone to sell it to. I'm or sure. if you can find one at all. Yeah, like there's they're they're, they're very, not on e- they're not chilling on eBay or Amazon no, or anything. They're they're very rare, um, but they're amazing sounding microphones. So that was probably my favorite. And then I think my favorite mic for the longest time has been uh, the Behringer C1. Wait, the that's Behringer. the one I have, Josh. Behringer C1, it sounds so crisp. <laughs> um, is the Telefunken 251 is, is my, my favorite microphone, I think. Uh, that's more of a utility microphone, which is, that's a really bougie thing to say because yeah. those are also like 10 grand. Yeah. But um, it just sounds good on everything, you know, and it's just, I remember when I was at Pachyderm, the first time I ever saw one in, in person, it was on the bass cabinet. You know, and you're like, this is a $10,000 mic recording a bass cabinet. Wow. You know? So this is the level of recording studio I was, gonna, I was at. I was going to say, who was recording that day? Or who was yeah, that? I don't remember Ooh. the band. But uh, no, yeah, it's, 
it's a beautiful sounding microphone. I have, um, I, I had a recreation of a 251, and I actually just recently I'm going to be building one. Um, so that that that'll be fun. You so. are into it. You're oh yeah. You're into you're yeah. Into the I, deep end. I solder. I do the whole thing. I, I make gear. It saves you a ton of money. I bet. But um, the cool thing, yeah, like there's like there's a company called Microphone Parts, and they they basically have the schematics from these classic sounding things and they just sell the kits and they say, this is how you build it. And you just put it together yourself. And I mean, they are some of my best microphones are ones I've built, um, which are pretty amazing. I mean, and it's a third, maybe a quarter of the cost, you know, I was going to ask you how, like, so your the cheapest microphone that you built yourself. How cheap was that? Like I was, I was thinking maybe it would be really expensive, but no, that's kind of preemptively so, answered my question by saying it's actually less expensive. Way less expensive. Um, you just got to spend the time. And you got to know what you're doing. So the par- so you just buy all the parts? Just buy the parts. Well, they basically just they facilitate finding the parts. So the parts are all out there, right? They're just capacitors and and resistors and all that kind of stuff. It's not super complex, you know, as far and we're as talking about the internals, the of internals, the of the not necessarily yeah. the, the sheath or the, the, the yeah. And they, the but outer. they, they sell you that, you okay, know, that's, gotcha. that's kind of self-contained. You're not, and you probably could adjust that however you want. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not like hammering metal, you yeah. know, whatever, but, um, it's, uh, so they sell you kind of like what the microphone would look like and the capsule, and then you just build the internal electronics, but it saves you a ton of money. And so like, there's that a, sounds like something I would. It's fun, do. you know, and and it's also it's kind of like adult Legos, you know. It's just like I was just gonna say one of my favorite things is Legos. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like adult Legos. It, it totally is. Ryan, you got a new task. You I, make a new microphone for the podcast. I'm not sure I'm gonna go to sleep tonight because <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna be looking into this. Microphone-parts.com. I'm not sponsored by them, but microphone-parts.com. T- take a look. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 best sounding. Uh, pencil condenser I have is one that I built. It's amazing sounding. It sounds so good. It's it's kind of shocking actually <laughs> how good it sounds. Yeah. Um, and, and I've, I've built like compressors and EQs and stuff too, which are more involved. But uh, yeah, it's just a fun way to t- kind of save a bit of money because you're uh, there's so much gear involved. <laughs> like if you come to my place, you'll see it's just endless gear. It just and but you need it to, at least for me, I need it for feeling like I can make a record the, the way I want to make it. So, you know, I have a bunch of stuff that I've purchased brand new too or vintage or whatever. But, yeah, it's also a fun little hobby. So, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. then you got, like, you, you got more tools in the toolbox to use for exactly. each record. And yeah. And you just market want yourself better. And different, different palettes, different textures, different, uh, you know, sonic kind of signature stuff. And it just, yeah, it allows you to be creative and... You don't have to rely on you know one or two tools to try to do everything with it. So, yeah. yeah. So, I want to kind of go back earlier. You were talking about you know the creative part of the process of recording and the different sounds and the things like the Cameron Blake example of the tape on the piano. Okay, that's not something he's going to do live. But no. so there's the creative piece, but there's also is there an element of it where you're like this has to still be something they can Real carry life. forward in, in live music. Not necessarily entirely, right? Yeah. There's always going to be that case. Thing. Maybe they have to, like... That's a good question. I mean, I, I guess I don't consider it too much because I, I think there's a lot... Of, I mean, the records that I listen to, there's a ton of, like, extra stuff that's happening, you know? And then these days, like, I think um, you can play the tracks and you can have those things, like, 
you know, with some sort of MIDI pad that you press yeah. where the tape piano thing plays when you when you do when you press that button. So or you could have it. Locked. You can approximate it or whatever, um, playing the tracks and stuff like that. But I don't really think about it too much, just because I I'm so focused on just let's make something that's interesting to listen to. Yeah. Um, and then they they take that on and and either approximate it with a different instrument or you know or omit it yeah, altogether. Right. It you know? yeah. Unless they come to you and say, hey. We're going to record this album with you, but we want to make the recording of it as similar as what we can play it live. Exactly. Like they might, maybe yeah. that's a stipulation I, I, of what they want to get done with this album. Yeah. A band, um, Remnos from um, Detroit, just uh, did an album with me about like six months ago. And they said, we want this to be like as little production as possible. We want to, this They're is not looking for anything crazy. This is like, we want to, we Raw, are a band. Real. Let's record it as a band, and so we did that. And the, the record prior to that, what we that I did with them, it was way produced. You know, we had banjos, we had strings, we had a bunch of different things going on. So they wanted the flavor of it. Yeah, they like, like they liked that for the last record, and then cool. for this one, they're Good like, yeah, we want to we want to do something more that's, that's cool. us the way we sound in, in a bar or whatever. So that's cool. Yeah, it just depends on what people want. Hmm. You know, you talked about Peter doing live stuff. Have you ever done any? Yeah, I'm terrible at it. I'm awful. I'm so what's bad the, at live sound. What's the big difference? I mean, I mean to me, air, the molecules in the air between the speaker uh, and your ear. Well, yeah. I, I it, feel like I just. I mean, I could do front of house if I didn't have to do monitors. I would be okay at that. Yeah. But all the gigs that I ever got were you're doing both, right? And so, and I worked at some real skeevy bars mm. with the all the equipment sucks, and you're just. <laughs> You know, you're just all you're doing is fighting feedback all day long. You know, you're just like, I just don't want that to feedback, you know, on on stage. And I like I'm terrible at it. And these days, I mean, like Peter walks around with like a like an iPad and has it like all of his stuff like dialed in. So he's like walking around the venue and it's way easier now. That's but, like a high caliber like he's been doing that for a while. Yeah. To know how to do it yeah, like that. And he's so much better at it than me. I I, I wouldn't even take a gig because I I wouldn't wanna the, the stress of it, too, I don't like being under the gun, you know? Well, I was going to say, like, if you're recording, you can take your time and make a polished, in your opinion, yeah. perfect yeah. piece of art. Right, yeah. Live, you're at the mercy of so many variables. It's oh, like, yeah. one you, take. Could, you could be amazing, and it could still sound like shit, man, and, like, everybody could hate it. Yeah. Right? Potentially, mean, or power failure, something goes out, it just... Someone did totally. something. I've had something that happen. In, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like so many other variables. But on the other hand, the like the adrenaline of doing that is something. We're yeah. recording. You probably don't get a. Maybe yeah. you get adrenaline from I'm like not looking being for adrenaline. Out of this. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm not catching so that vibe. I, I feel like it is. A, it's like two different <laughs> types of people totally. doing two different types of jobs. It, it is. I mean, but it, very similar. It's all signal flow. It's all microphones and, and preamps and stuff. But it, it, it's a totally different vibe. Mm. And like I'm just too like nervous, Nelly. Like I just can't. I can't relax, you know, until like everything's kind of like set up and good. And mm -hmm. when you're fighting feedback all day long, you know, I remember you never I was, get to the point. You yeah, need to. I was in Pittsburgh and I was doing, I just remember having this like existential crisis where I'm sitting there doing a rap battle, you know, I'm engineering a rap battle of, of the worst rappers you've ever heard. <laughs> this isn't Wiz Khalifa. This is, this is all of, all of the, <laughs> You know his his acolytes that are just they're they're cupping the microphone so it's all feeding back they're barking and I mean oh, I'm, I'm just no. like 
staring up at the ceiling like, what am I doing? This is insane. And some people probably would make that sound great, but I stink at it. So <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I let that for, for other people who have, have, have the nerve to handle it. And being live is like, it's one and done. And like, no one, like, yeah, people remember the concert they just went to yeah. a couple weeks later. But if you're working on a recorded piece of music, it's like, yeah. that's there. And that could be there for, for right. the next thousand years for people to listen to. Yeah. And it's a, it's it's a like, different ball game. It's a totally different ball game. And they're both like valid art forms. And, and Absolutely. there's like so many people that were, I appreciate when I go to a show that sounds really good. It's like, man. You really killed it. Like that's an amazing sounding. Same. Yep. And when I was on, on the road with Brian, like they ha- he had a great uh, engineer that was just that was what he did, and he had a whole technique to it. But it's totally different than recording. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, definitely respect those guys, but don't hire me. Yeah, just a different <laughs> thing. Josh knows where his talents lie, and he's got a it's in the well, studio. I've, I've failed enough that. You, you just kind of get to the level of your own incompetence. Right. You're just like, all right, I, I'm not good at that, so I'm just going to s- start saying no to those gigs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, 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 did, I did my share of live sound because when, yeah, when you're an audio engineer, those are the most readily available gigs. You know, like I could work at a church probably starting tomorrow if I wanted to get like that kind of live right. sound gig, yeah. you know, around here especially. Oh, um, every corner. Yeah, exactly. So, but just wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, energize me in any way. So, yeah. If anybody's listening to the Mitten music that doesn't live in Michigan or know anything about West Michigan, yeah. we have what we call the Bible Belt around here. Yeah, church on every corner for like twenty miles. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's like in, in, when I lived in Pittsburgh, um, there was a, a street where it was basically a bar every fifteen feet. It's a church here. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. But now there's becoming to be a bar about every. That's well, at least yeah, every, every town. Oh, I'm looking for I'm, I, at least I, every town. I now. would gladly welcome more bars. Yes. Yeah. I would. Ten feet. Every ten feet would be amazing. For yeah. You. That might be a little too saturated. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be good. It'd be good. You just get, don't know Jeff because you've be, never that, seen it. It might be more watered down then. Fair. Like, like yeah. Good. Probably. So, Josh, local legend yes. recordings. Yes. Yeah. How can people find out more about you? and uh, band, Especially bands, obviously. Yeah. You know. um, LocalLegendRecording.com. You can see, like, pictures and stuff like that. And there's an Instagram is probably the best as, as far as, like, kind of keeping up what I'm doing I like when day-to-day. people mention the one they use the most. Like, yeah. Uh, I use Instagram the most. Okay, then I'll I don't, ignore your Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is just uh, ported from the Instagram, so I'm never really on there. Fair enough. Um, but Instagram, you can kind of see, I don't know, like, I like to post, like, technique and, and different, like, oh, this is an interesting mic combination or whatever. Like, that. this is the stuff that I like. So if you are into that, um, you'll, you'll find out kind of the way I work. But also, just come to the studio. Um, I'll give you a tour anytime. Um, that's that's the way it's usually when people come and they they kind of get the vibe and they understand what it's all about and uh, yeah listen to the stuff I've done and but yeah hit me up um, there's um, information on the website so good well Jeff and I will definitely be hitting you up for Please. to come take a little tour and Anytime. when you're not busy and yeah. check it out oh my god and I'm I will have ten thousand more questions. Than fine I today that's yeah fine. once you see all the gear there are, I, exa- I I I feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can we, talk about it forever. So. We might have to add, we might have to have you Ryan say, is that one 
one that Josh made, or is that one that he actually <laughs> bought? I'm going to guess every one that I see is one that he made. You, you can tell most of the ones that I've made because the usually the um, meters don't work. So <laughs> oh, just not wires sticking out all right? No, no, no. It, it, everything works, but for some reason, I've screwed up two different like uh, VU meters, so the, the VU meters don't work at all, which doesn't it, really bother me. Yeah, I was going to say, if uh, you don't care, then yeah. does it matter? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it still Unless you're great. running them out, which... Yeah, exactly. Probably right. not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, any, anytime. Come on, come on I'm by. so interested in making my own microphone now. Like, I... Oh, I don't. I feel like I'm going to... Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, how long would it... Like, if you... I get that thing in my head. I, I figure out which kit I'm going to buy and all this stuff. I order it all. How long could it take? If I was going to do it quickly, how long would it take before I had a working microphone? If you were good at soldering, you could do it in like three hours. So, it, okay, it's not like a... Yeah. Oh, it's going to take you a week to learn how to this. solder. Do you know how to solder? Uh, I'm not... A, I'm not um, I wouldn't say I'm a beginner, but I wouldn't say I'm much more than a beginner. Okay, I've I, done it I, once. Or I'm twice. no expert either. Like these, the, like it's have, not terribly I've, difficult. It's not. Yeah, it's it's pretty rudimentary. Like yeah. just get it hot enough and, and <laughs> it's being smart. Do like just do it. Yeah, have the a, correct spots some sort of and, steady hand. If you you know, but not being an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, no. Cool. It, okay, it takes me forever because I double and triple check everything. Fair. Like for you know. 90 times just to really? make sure that I... I can't imagine. You You don't seem like the meticulous <laughs> type of person after talking is that, to is you that, Is that how I'm coming off? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, That's I mean, good. yeah, it's 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 fun. Yeah, I would recommend it. Heck yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I think that's a good thing that you're meticulous, especially if you're recording people's records, you know? I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that's a, a, a benefit to the, the clients I work with. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. Yeah. Josh, thank you so much My for pleasure. joining us tonight. This Thanks was awesome. Yeah, yeah. This so was fun. Great. Yeah. Cool. And we got some other ideas for uh, people to interview as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let sure. me know. I, I got a ton more names if you want. If you want people. Thank you right. so much, Josh. That was awesome. Pleasure, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Heck man. yeah. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? It's wonderful. Wonderful. Is it wonderful tonight? Oh yeah, like Eric my, Clapton. Yeah, there you go. It was wonderful tonight with Josh, though. It was. It was great. Uh, I'm so glad we had him on. He, he he was awesome. He was. He had a lot of knowledge. Um, I feel like we just cracked into the knowledge he had. Yeah. It was cool. He's got a lot of stuff going on in a short period of time and cranking a lot of albums that will be coming out here soon. Yeah, local legend. If you If anyone's looking for recording expertise, check out Josh at local legend. Uh, we'll link all of his stuff in the liner notes and the podcast and everything. So check him out. But Jeff, we have some serious business to discuss. Well, first of all, it's been it's been way too long, so it's good to be back. Yes, talking again. And uh, why has it been so long? Well, we've been busy. We've been busy, and unfortunately, this isn't our full time gig yet. And everyone else we would love to interview is also busy. Yes. So it's, it's hard to line up some. Which is good, right? Because yeah. it means they're out and about doing, playing concerts, doing all those things. They just don't have you know time. And uh, But we've got some stuff coming. We do. And we are asking you listeners if you know of any band, anybody in the music industry, in any relation that's in Michigan, give us a heads up and so we can talk to them. We need more people to connect with. Definitely. 
since our hiatus, mm-hmm. we did talk about this a lot ahead of time. So people were probably sick of it. But then since it's been a while, they probably forgot. Oh, is it about the Tool concert? Not the Tool concert. <laughs> but we did talk a lot about that, too. In the Valley Below. So they yeah. were on our second episode. Mm-hmm. It was great. And we finally went and saw them live. Mm-hmm. Well, you've seen them before. But yep, I have. But it was for my first time. It was cool. It was it was a very interesting night. Where did we go see? It was in uh, Royal Oak. Royal Oak, yeah. That's the music theater. Second time there this year, and uh, I like the venue. Yeah, it's cool. It is a cool venue for sure. Um, it's it's a different venue compared to what I'm used to. So I'm used to like the intersection or like you know the old orbit room. Orbit room, I don't think is a thing anymore. No. I mean, it's the building exists, but I don't think they are in business. Right, Twenty Mineral Live, Van Andel, Pyramid Scheme. Like I'm used to those places, right? I don't. I I do go to other cities, Chicago, Detroit, to go see some shows sometimes. But it was the first time I went to Royal Oak Music Theater. It was so cool. I, it was. It must have been like the building itself. What was it? it? It was something previously, right? They have lots of sculptures around, and it's got like this intricate decor like old school style is it always been a like a music theater slash I don't know it's been venue? That. it's probably been a theater though like a like a play theater right yeah i mean i think like it's that. got a lot of history i mean i haven't looked it up i guess so i'm just making that up but it does appear that way that it you was can probably, make things up it I was mean, a theater before and it kind of makes sense because i always think it's and i don't know if you thought this but there's the tiering yeah which like, is unique at least to the music concert like Usually you've got seating or you've got a, a long floor. There's really general admission. Yeah, I mean the general admission. I mean there was a couple tiers, but you you got like it was like ten, one, twelve deep, and then you go up to the next tier. Yep, it's about the same there. Yep, it was int- and I kind of liked it. It was cool. I don't know if people had to pay more money to get those seats like two tiers up, which was like not much further away from the stage than anybody else. Well, those were actual seats, so I don't know if it yeah. was more, but it was you got a permanent spot. I yeah, guess. it was a cool place. I di- it was it, it was more unique than most places I go see shows. I want to go back again. It was cool, and it sounded great. Like oh yeah, the acoustics are good. Both bands sounded phenomenal. Yeah, in the valley below, played with OMD. And if nobody knows what OMD stands for, and nobody will ever care, but orchestral, orchestral maneuvers, maneuvers in, in the, the darkness. darkness, darkness or dark. I think it's the darkness. Oh, snap. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong, too. So, so In the Valley Well opened. Made sense. Um, they played a decent set. I think when we talked, I think in the concert we said, this is about the songs that we would have expected. Yes. I had in my head the playlist that they played, and it was like 80% of the songs that I wanted to hear they played. Yeah. I was very happy. I would agree. I loved it. Yeah. They're it was, so good. It was good. It was good. Jeff was, uh, he was. Uh, on fire? Yeah. He, he was on fire. He would start to just go crazy on the guitar there for a little bit. He was he was having a great night, I think. Yeah. It was good. It was awesome. And as much as I love them, um, OMD, I didn't know. I, all I knew was the one song. Same. They had the one eighties hit, and they 
have a following. Mm-hmm. It may be a very niche following, but they have a following. I mean, everybody, when they came on, it was like, what is going on The here? people there were there to see OMD, and they wanted to see OMD. They did. I just wanted to see in the valley below. That was it. And that was kind of like the outcast, I felt like. Yeah. But I actually, I thought OMD. They were awesome. They dude. were. They, I was very impressed. It was a party. It was a freaking party. It was. And they were full of energy. I mean, those mm-hmm. guys, I don't know how old they are, but they're, Ooh, they they're getting up there. Pushing 60s. And uh, the front man, he was uh, I don't know how. full energy. And he's been doing this for so many, since the 80s, they've been doing this. Yeah. Freaking forty years, forty years, and the dude—he's like he reminded me of uh, uh, Pete Townsend from The Who. Like really, I, I always just like—I don't know if he—if I thought he looked like him, but he just had this energy of like, and they had the accent, you know. Yeah. So I, I just kind of saw some Pete, even though totally different music and everything, but I just—I don't know—I just got that vibe. It was cool. It was awesome. I don't think I've ever heard that month synthesizers. Yeah, right. Like one sitting in my life. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. I thought, I mean, as much as I'm not, I can't say that I'm like totally into their genre right. and what they're doing. They put on a great show. I was going to say, but seeing it, did it make you appreciate them? Oh, yeah. Even though you don't care for their music? Like, it was cool. Yeah. As I mean, hell. There were some songs I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. It stuff. was and rocking. And it they was, gave it, yeah, great energy. The fact that you saw. The, the real super fans were just going bonkers. Like, that made me feel like, yeah, I want to get bonkers yeah. now. It was, ah. I forgot to go back and look at the playlist, but they pounded out a ton of songs. Mm-hmm. I a was lot. thinking it was too much, and I was like, at the end of it, I was like, are we ready to go yet or no? I mean, it was it was a lot. And uh, and then we got to see Jeff and Angie after. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Their son was with them. He has a yeah. podcast that we've mentioned before called Two Minute Roblox. If anybody wants to go listen to that, you're more than welcome to. Pass that along to your kids. Absolutely. But the highlight of the night, Ryan. <laughs> well, there's probably 16 highlights of the night that well, happened after the concert that I could highlight. But I'm curious to see which ones you're well, going to point I mean, out. I mean... Guys, you know, <laughs> if you can't stay downtown Royal Oak, just go to the Red Roof Inn, not too far nearby. Excellent, excellent place. It was the most interesting hotel I've ever stayed at. It was pretty. It was like eighty bucks a night. I mean, I, I guess we can't complain, right? I, I, I felt like we saw somebody get kicked out of a room, and there was a lot of like clothing, luggage, like someone was living in there, and they were getting kicked out by a spouse or something at one point. I remember that. There was a little note written in the, oh, in the that's paper right. towel yeah, or something. Somebody got kicked out. That was out the next morning. Room. I'm glad we didn't really hear anything True. the night before. But, but the best part was, you know, the door. The motel room was, was uh, high class. We couldn't even freaking figure out how to look. Close it. Or, yeah, close it, lock it, op- yeah, and, and then open it. Yeah, it was... Uh, when we left in the morning, we just had to leave it half cracked. And mm-hmm. It wasn't... Well, there, and we, we walked by, like, the room next to us. The door was... There was no one in it, but it was wide open. It's like, oh, if we made a mistake, we went into the wrong room. I don't know. Hopefully... We Why did we pay 80 bucks? I, I don't know. We should have stayed there for free. They should have been like, hey, people, come stay at our place for free because... 
We're terrible. Exactly. No. So that's the best part about traveling to a concert, right? You can stay in different places, have good stories to tell. Have you been to any other shows? I have not been. I have meant to go to many shows since we've last spoken, but I have not made it to any shows. Yeah, I haven't either. And we taught you. You tried to get me to go to that um, show with Petty, Petty Prashela. Yeah, the, uh, July first at the Grand Lady. Yep, the Grand Lady. It's a riverboat cruise. I'm sure that sounded great. I wish I would have went. Patty, if you're listening, I'm sorry I didn't go. Yeah, and I was out of town. I've been on that boat before. Yeah, so have I. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is cool. Mm-hmm. That would have been even better with Patty playing. But uh, we missed out on that. Um, I don't have anything on the radar just yet. You? No, um, not so much. I mean, I know like Cow Pie's coming up in August. There's uh, Patty's actually playing at Cow Pie. Yeah. So I am looking forward to seeing her there. I th- I, I'm going to go to Cow Pie. That's in Alaska, Michigan. So that's I am about four, 30, 40 minutes away from us. Um, but other than that, no, I don't think there's anything on my radar necessarily. I'm honestly, if I had to be completely honest I'm really hoping Chevelle comes back to West Michigan this is not a Michigan right, yeah. music related thing but I, I, I cannot wait to see Chevelle that's the one band I cannot wait to see again ASAP that's who I want to see now Chevelle All right. Dirty Just, Honey ooh. is coming to Grand Rapids ooh I did yes. not oh yeah I haven't told you this yet no uh I believe it's mid September, something like that. And they're gonna be Do you know where at? Uh I think it's twenty Monroe. Ooh, that's gotta be good for them. Yeah. Well they've probably been playing that size place for a little bit now. Yeah, I can so, only imagine. So it's just them. I'm sure there's somebody opening for them, but uh Yeah. I'm, the, I'm excited to they're think the about headliner. Going. Yeah, oh yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Mammoth's uh going to Europe. So they're splitting off at some point here and I think they're actually done with their tour. And, and uh, yeah, so I might have to hit that up. And we saw today, because mm-hmm. we've been looking at a couple bands to try to interview. One of them might be up in Oscoda, the Oscoda Rock Fest. That's true. Possum Belly. Yeah, we, we might have to go up and see them. I don't know. Yep, we've been talking to them a little bit. They were just at Mulligan's. Um, a couple actually within the last week or so, which we missed somehow. Yeah, we it was missed a couple weeks that ago. connection. Yeah. yeah, was it a couple weeks ago? Yep, we missed that connection. But we're definitely going to connect with them. We've been talking to them. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a good one. That'll be a really good one. I think that rock fest will be right up your alley. There seems to be a lot of a lot of hard rockers up there. No Chevelle though. Bummer. But yeah, I like the rock fest. I like the my jam it's my thing yeah well we don't have any uh spoilers for the next episode yet but uh no and we we, you know we didn't talk talk to josh about actually it was what songs should we play Ooh! but he did give us some artists and i wrote i wrote down a couple that he mentioned yeah so we'll ask him what he wants i think i think pink sky chain of lakes yeah, Pink Sky is a band that I've I've I feel like I, I I've heard the name before, but I have 
honestly have no idea what they sound like at all, and I'm very curious to check them out tonight. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. Yeah, good. I'm going to go check out Wilco. Dude, Wilco is awesome. Wilco is cool. That's I'm going to do it. Check out Cameron Blake. I will. And that, Cameron Blake, that was another one. He kept talking about Cameron Blake like... I, I could tell he really enjoyed working yeah. with. He's different, and you gotta you gotta be in the right mood to listen to him. Um, but yeah, I like. Buddy, I don't have to be in the mood to listen to anything. Anything can come across my ears. It'll be all okay. really. It'll be oh yeah oh oh it doesn't. I'm kind of a like I have to be in a certain mood to listen mm-hmm. to certain music. No, I I feel like I like different music will change my mood, and so I will purposely listen to things to put me in a mood. To be able to accept society <laughs> on a day-to-day basis, sometimes that's good. Yeah, more power to you, man. Good, yeah, it's good stuff. All right, well, we'll uh, get a couple tunes and we'll throw them on the end here and take a listen. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, thanks for looking out for the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> and by little guy, I mean me. Thanks for looking out for me. Hey, I'm looking forward to you building the microphone. I cannot wait. That's going to be so cool. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, Mitt Music. Till next time. Thank you, everybody.